So thank you everybody for joining us. I'm Father Chris. I'm honored to have you with us for another Explaining the Faith talk. I think this is like our 148th or something like that. And so praise be to God. Uh, we're excited to have you with us. And today we have, I feel, one of the most interesting topics, and that is dreams. What do dreams mean? And I've done a lot of research on this. I've talked to some experts. And also, what does the church teach on dreams? Do we always follow them? Do we never follow them? Sometimes follow them? And so we're going to share all that with you today. I'm really excited about this topic because it affects everyone. And as you can see, I have my sleeping St. Joseph here. We're going to show you how you can get that. Um, and so we do ask that, and myself included, to turn our volumes down on our cell phones. And praise be to God that you're with us. And we're getting to, um, you know, we've had a few videos moved down, uh, pulled down from our webpage. So you can always also find us on divinemercyplus.org divinemercyplus.org. Let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to open our minds and hearts. Share your wisdom with us. Allow us to discern your will, be it in through other people, through dreams, or however that you speak to us, but mostly through the church and the scriptures. And Mother Mary, we ask that you guide us in our journey and always help us to your Son. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so you saw in your slide, today we're talking about dreams. This is a topic I was shocked I could find so little information out there on the web about the Catholic viewpoint. There's just a couple videos and a few articles. It, it doesn't really uh, justify the importance of this. So we're going to talk about it today. Dreams. Okay. Each night during sleep, and we all encounter this, right? We enter into an altered state of consciousness. All right. As our dreams subject us to amazing things switches of times and places. We can have dreams about the past. We can have dreams about the future. We can have dreams about different locations. And so we are engaged by both what we would call terrifying and enchanting emotions. We get good dreams and bad dreams. You all know this. Now, the mind in dreams brings out the old and the new. This is, this is Matthew 13, 52, the old and the new. And so St. Augustine, now here I'm going to start giving you some church, giving you the church view of dreams, but it starts with St. Augustine, and he identified four causes of dreams. Okay, number one is your mental activity. What are you thinking about? That affects your dreams. The other one is the physical condition of your body. If you're sleeping well because you're in good shape, or not sleeping well because you're not in good shape. Environmental conditions. So how are you sleeping? What's affecting you? Even the noise in the room you're in, as opposed to even maybe, you know, um, uh, getting a, a, a fresh air, uh, temperature being okay, or just more external things in your life. And fourth is the big one, 
spiritual causes. These are true. So if it's a spiritual cause, are these dreams from God? Demons? Angels? Yes, they could be from any of the above or they can be from yourself. Okay, all right. So I found a good, some good resources. And what I wanted to start with was by Mary Farrow. Uh, she did some work called, How Important Are Dreams in Your Relationship with God? So let's talk about this. Now, why do we dream? All right, that might seem like a, a simple question. But actually, do you know there's not an answer for it? Um, Patrick McNamara is a Catholic neuroscientist in Minneapolis. And he says this is one of the biggest unsolved mysteries in all of evolutionary biology. In all of evolutionary biology, this is the one unanswered question. Now, it's strange. It's a strange phenomenon. But here's how you dream. I bet you don't know this. Every 90 minutes while we are asleep, every 90 minutes, our brains kick into overdrive. Every 90 minutes. They're even more activated than when you're awake. Okay? Now, however, we don't move. I mean, you might toss or turn. But in essence, your body is paralyzed. And we'll talk about sleep paralysis in a minute, because that can get scary. Now, one theory about dreams in REM sleep, remember rapid eye movement, REM sleep, is that they help people to process your emotional memories. Now, this is important because we all have them. All right. Now, uh, this McNamara said intensely emotional things get integrated into your long-term memory. Okay. So any intense emotion that you have had in your past has to, it will go into your long-term memory, and it does it via REM sleep and dreams. Did you ever know this? So when you experienced something when you were 10, the only way it got into your long-term memory was through the dreaming. So you had it happen to you, then you dreamt about it, and then it went into your long-term memory. This is fascinating. Let's go to our next slide. But when there is a problem with that, with that process, like with traumatic memories, they're hard to integrate in your long-term memory, and that's why we get nightmares. This is a picture of a poor little girl. I remember my sister used to get these nightmares. I was okay. I never really got them badly. I mean, I would dream of falling. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. We're going to talk about the meaning of being chased, not C-H-A-S-T-E, but chased, C-H-A-S-E-D, being chased by somebody. We're going to talk about the meaning of falling. I used to always have the dreams where I was falling, and then I would wake up right before I hit the ground. There's a huge meaning to this. And so <clears throat> we get these nightmares. Now, another theory is something called social simulation. This is interesting. Now, this says <clears throat> that dreams give people a chance to do your dress rehearsal in scenarios that you're going to face in your life, in your real life, with the people you are dealing with. So you'll have dreams about an upcoming meeting. 
or dreams about moving or taking a new job or marrying somebody or marrying somebody different. And then you're planning. All right, many different things can affect dreams, this McNamara said, from emotional experiences to stress like COVID and other things. Now, what about your diet? What about things that you eat? Okay, a person's diet does not really affect your dreaming very much at all, he said, unless you eat right before you go to sleep. If you eat right before you go to sleep, this can affect you. So if you don't eat right before you go to bed, it almost never affects your dreams. Now, I'm not sure about that because I've seen it. I've heard people say that if I eat something wrong, I, I, you know, I, I have this. But, and you got to be careful. Like, I, I hardly sleep. I, I sleep about four hours a night on a really good night. There's many days I go on two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep. And so I was taking that melatonin, which is a natural, trying to get you to sleep. And I, I took a, maybe a little bit more because like, I got to get to sleep. Boy, did I have the crazy nightmares. But if you take a lesser dosage, it actually, it, it helps. I'm not, I'm not your doctor, sorry. I'm not trying to prescribe, but just something to be aware of. Now, what's the history of this whole dream situation? Let's look at our next slide. It's a 20th century science, and the study of dreams is called oneirology. Oneirology. It's there on your screen. O-N-E-I-R-O-L-O-G-Y. That's the study of dreams. So in the 20th century, science, psychology, and theology developed different approaches to dreams. It makes sense. Now, psychology is the most comprehensive. Those theories posit that dreams are a product of basically your different cognitive mental processes and can provide insight into your subconscious, what you are thinking, your thoughts, and your emotions, okay, into your deepest and including your deepest desires and fears. So, Modern psychology sees them as a window into the memory and the unconscious mind. But the church puts a warning here, slow down. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, where did this all start? Let's go to our next slide. The infamous Sigmund Freud. Okay. He wrote an entire work called Interpretation of Dreams in the year 1900. Now, this work, though, pretty much is totally limited. It's very much limits dream interpretation to just unfulfilled sexual desires. The guy turned everything into sexual desires, it seemed. Now, present psychology or psychological theory considers Freud, the Freudian approach way too limited to be of any use. So they really don't use Sigmund Freud, even though that's what I learned in school. How idiotic. We won't learn the true history. We won't learn how the church built Western civilization, but we'll spend months studying Sigmund Freud, who even the psychological, psych, psychological studies and, and uh, psychology, the, the, the um, study of psychology totally has eliminated him. He, he, it's too limited. It's, it's not of any value. Now, the name you've probably heard about, I know I did. Let's go to our next slide. It's Carl Jung. 
Jung. And today's spiritual dream studies is largely inspired by this Swiss psychologist. I didn't know he lived all the way to 1961. He was born in 1875. This is Carl Jung. Now, contrary to Freud, he asserted that spirituality is essential for mental health. Freud said it was all about the genitals. Carl Jung said, no, there's some spiritual aspects. So I think in that sense, Carl Jung was more correct. Now, he went back to ancient tradition that dreams are sent by God. This is what he came forward. Now, Jung saw dreams as being influenced by past experiences of your life. Now, Freud did too, to give him credit. But he also added the present and your future plans affect your dreams. Let's suppose you're engaged to be married in a year. That's your future plan. I think it's common sense that that will affect your dreams. If you start having dreams that this is the, definitely the right person, or I'm afraid this might be the wrong person. All right, now, there's one more. I won't study a lot on this, but in the 1930s, Alfred Adler did some emphasis on how a person's lifestyle affected their dreams. So the way you live your life. All right, now, to finish this part, today, science and psychology, though, have totally replaced theology as the dominant expert on dreams or the main forums on dreams. And that's unfortunate. Now today I want to resurrect the viewpoint of theology and the teaching of the church regarding dreams, which we don't hear about. All right, now let's move on and talk about a little bit about the nature of dreams. What is a dream? Okay, it is a psychic now, don't think of the tarot card psychics or the crystal ball. That's wrong. You don't want to see, you, you don't, no. Psychic here means mental activity, all right? Particularly one that is visual. A visual picture that, or video that occurs during your sleep. It's a, it's a visual nature, all right? Now, dreams, they can be natural from your own yourself from your own psychological processes, or they can be supernatural from God or the devil. Now, if it is natural, it's from yourself. Just what your mind is thinking. If it's supernatural, as I just said, it could be from God or the angels or a demon. How many times in the Bible did we hear about an angel? Well, coming to St. Joseph, he had his own version of an annunciation. When the angel told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So now, in, okay, and this is fascinating to me. Do you know how you dream? I, when I was doing research on this, because I had this back in, I was pre-med before I was an engineer, believe it or not. I could never be a doctor. I can't remember, I can't memorize all those long names of the diseases and the, and the medicines. But I was pre-med for a year. And... I remember in the biology, I, I struggled with things like Krebs cycle and all that. But what was interesting is I did have a class and we talked a little bit about dreams. And I went back and did more research and it's fascinating because in an average night's sleep, how, how much do you dream? You dream one to two hours of your night, that's it. Most people think it may seem like you dreamt the whole night or sometimes you wake up and you can't remember dreaming at all. 
We average one to two hours of dreams a night. And how many times do you dream a night? Three to five times. You dream three to five times, and that total time averages one to two hours. Now, each dream comes about every 90 minutes. And so if you have a dream about every 90 minutes, they last, how long does an average dream last? 20 to 30 minutes. So if you have three to five of those, you can see where we get up to two hours of dreaming. But you don't dream the whole night. Your body kicks it into overdrive every 90 minutes. Your, your, your mental, your brain hits a high point. This is fascinating. Now, this is why we need to get enough sleep. <laughs> and I point to myself here. I think God had me do this research because I was like, oh, Lord, I am a mess. <laughs> because if you don't get enough sleep, your brain is unable to process all. You know, it's kind of like if you go to your office desk and somebody throws a bunch of papers on it and you get a bunch of mail, pretty soon you got to file it. You just, if you just let it scatter as a mess, you're going to be a mess. And so when you go to night, at, when you lay down at night and you dream, your, 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 your body, your, your, your psychic, your mental capacity is processing this stuff. And so you need to have enough sleep to be able to fully go through those, not just physical rest, but your mental rest through things like dreams. This is, again, fascinating. And so we have to get enough sleep. Now, most of the images, now this, this one is really odd. I consulted a lot of research, and most images in your dreams are black and white. But everything I remember is always color. Every, every dream I remember is always in color. Now, I don't know if that means we just don't remember the black and white, but this is what the experts say. My experience is otherwise. I don't remember a single black and white dream. Now, they also say pets dream in, or see or dream in black and white. How the heck would they know that? I have no idea. Now, in terms of emotional content, dreams can range from ecstatic fantasies to nightmares. Now, what is the meaning? Okay, now let's go to our next slide. We're going to get into the symbols in the Bible. What is that right there? That's Jacob's ladder. Jacob in the Bible had a dream. The symbols of dreams in the Bible are lambs, Doves, rainbows, rocks, stairways, trees, etc. These are all dreaming symbols, and I'm going to explain them to you now. Keep in mind the context. You know, the symbols support the context of your dream. It's not just about the symbols. You have to know what the whole context of your dream is. Symbols alone don't mean anything. Symbolism, though, in dreams can be powerful. Now, there's this, there's this um, expert out there, this Chris Reach or Reachy, I'm not sure, R-E-E-C-E, who did a biblical study on this. And I found it very interesting because it seems to be consistent with what I've heard. And I want to go through with you, if you dream about these things, what they mean according to this research. Okay, have you ever dreamt you were in a bathroom? Either in the shower or on the toilet even. This will indicate a cleansing, a cleansing. No matter how you're in the bathroom, if you're in the bathroom, your subconscious is telling you you need a cleansing. So you could be in the shower, even in the on the toilet, but you need a cleansing. So this is symbolic of 
dreaming being in the bathroom. Okay, what about being naked or partially clothed? This means in, in your psyche you have some, something that's vulnerable or there is an exposure that you're fearful of. Now, when you had this, were you comfortable? Like Adam and Eve before the fall? Or uncomfortable like Adam and Eve after the fall? Were you embarrassed? These might mean something is in your conscious, subconscious, that you don't want exposed. So it might be a warning from God to clean up before God exposes it. Whoa. Wake-up call. All right, what about dreaming of certain people? A lot of times I'll have dreams of people that I don't know. Like strangers that I know in the dream, but I don't know who they are in real life. They're nobody. So dreams may not be about somebody you know. In fact, they may not even be about the person, but about you. Dreams can represent how you feel if it is about somebody you know. Dreaming about them can represent how you feel about them. Do you trust them? Do you, do you, do you, how much do you care about them? And it may be those, like I said, that you don't even know. Faceless people can be angelic or demonic. Now, people have reported having intimate relations with people in dreams that are faceless. This could be an incubus or a succubus, which are demonic spirits that have sexual relations with humans. And sometimes it's done in the spiritual realm. And so this is, this is something to be aware of. Now, sometimes weapons... I, back in my 20s, used to have a lot of dreams that I was shot. And it bothered me. I hated it. I don't have those dreams anymore. And so you can dream about weapons like a knife or a gun or a sword. This means they're spiritual warfare. Now, all this is according to this Chris Reach. I'm not saying this is definitive church teaching. But it makes a lot of sense when I read her research. Now, these things could mean they're spiritual warfare. Now... Was I using it or was it being used against me? A, a rosary can be a sword. You might be dreaming that you take a sword and, and you know, you, you do away with the demons. Or the demons could use a sword on you. Okay? So did your whip weapons work or was your gun firing blanks? That could mean you need more prayer. All right? What about vehicles? You ever dream about being in a car or on a boat or in a plane? All right, vehicles could mean your work or your ministry. So the key here, she said, was look who's driving. In your dreams, are you usually driving or is someone else usually driving? Because that could mean that they have a subconscious control of your life. All right, what about water? Water, she said, represents the movement of the Holy Spirit. In your dreams, if you're experiencing rain, a lot of times that can mean a spiritual blessing and cleansing. All right, what about hallways? A lot of times we dream about going down hallways. All right, this can be times of transition in your life, and you might be looking for a new doorway. Well, she then listed doors as another symbol in our dreams because there's an opportunity for a new beginning. Or if the door is closed, maybe there's secrecy. You got skeletons in your closet? <laughs> that's, that's what that might be. So is something in your life behind that closed door? And is it open? Are you going to open it or are you going to keep it locked? 
Um, you know, should you go through it? Is this a door to your past or your future? These are all speculative. This is, this is not dogmatic church teaching, but it's just something for us to think about. Now, what about money? I don't think I've ever had a dream about money, but a lot of people dream about money. And this means that you're viewing how successful or not you think you've been in life. How successful you think you've been. But remember, money is not the gauge of how successful you've been. Are you a good husband, a good father, a good wife, a good mother? That's how success is. All right, and then finally, the infamous dreaming about an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Now, this could range from an intimate person from your past that you dream about. It could be dreaming about relations with them, which scares you when you wake up. It could mean you are, rather though, she said, even more so, it could mean that you are slipping back into past patterns even if you don't go back with that person. Okay, I thought that was interesting. And so these are some of the symbols she mentioned. Now, I also did research, Brother Mark and I last night, he was helping, we did research on two of the most common things that happen in dreams. One is falling. If you dream you are falling, what does that mean? And the other is being chased, as I said, by somebody, not, not purity. So let's go to our next slide. One common dream is falling. I used to get this one all the time. Like I said, thank goodness I, I hated it because I'd always dream. I don't like heights. I, I'm afraid of heights. And whenever I get to the edge of a building, like if I'm in a plane, I'm fine. Uh, even if I'm at the top of a building, I'm fine if there's a, well, you know, a, a barrier. But man, if I'm up hiking and I'm looking down a thousand foot cliff and there's, I'm on the edge and the stone falls down, I'm scared. I don't like it. So anyway, um, a common dream is falling. Now from the Catholic perspective, and I found this in the saints, falling in a dream can be interpreted as a spiritual descent or loss of grace. And I remember I had this in my 20s. Always was dreaming I was falling, but that was the time of my life I was in turmoil. Like, not practicing my faith, bouncing from town to town, relationship to relationship, trying to find my place. And I was having these dreams. So it may represent feelings of guilt or shame over your sins or your shortcomings. The saints talk about this. Again, this is not dogmatic, but the saints talk about this. Now, the act of falling may serve as a reminder for individuals to seek God's forgiveness before you die. And I found it interesting that I would dream of falling, and right before I hit the ground, I would always wake up. So it's like God saying, you need the forgiveness. You need to turn from your sins before you die. Because what do we think if we were falling? What you're thinking before you're falling is, forgive me, Lord. You know, you know you're going to die in a few seconds. The first thing you do, you're not thinking about your bank account or your, your dinner appointment tomorrow. You're, you're, you're saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. So it makes perfect sense. <clears throat> now, in psychology, they'll tell you something different. And I understand this. They teach that falling could reflect feelings of insecurity, like your life is near a ledge, um, having a fear in life over something. But in a Catholic lens, 
Again, this might be an invitation to reflect on your spiritual state and how you need to seek God. All right, now what about being chased, being chased by somebody, by a monster or by another person, a, a robber, um, somebody you know that you're afraid of, somebody you don't know. Being chased is another common experience in dreams that are uh, significant. Now, being chased in a dream can symbolize a spiritual struggle. This is what the saints tell us, like with temptation pulling at you. This is by, written by a guy named Neeson. And he talked about if you're being uh, followed or chased in your dreams by somebody, that means you're struggling, that temptation is trying to get you. And, and you want to get away. You want to get away. So it may reflect an individual's inner battle between good and evil. You're the good, and you're trying to get away from evil these evil forces that are at play within your conscience. I, I think that's fascinating. Now, psychologically speaking, it's different again. The dream of being chased by someone could indicate feelings of anxiety or pressure weighing on somebody. It could also mean you're afraid of somebody. And in your dream, that fear of a particular person is manifested. Maybe you're afraid of society as a whole. You're afraid of, you know, maybe public speaking or having to integrate into a party. And then in the dream you're being chased, that, that kind of manifests in that way. Now, going back to the Catholic perspective, it could be interpreted as a call, as I said, to resist temptation, having morals. So it's interesting, I think, interpreting this. Um, and like I said, I, I went to the saints here, and Brother Mark and I went online and, and found what the Catholic teaching is. Now, when you interpret these symbolic meanings that are associated with like either falling or being chased by somebody, it could be even chased by demons, right? Not just people. Um, if you are, then that concept like sin and guilt could be waking you up because ultimately you're seeking redemption and salvation. So God can allow these to help show you something. Now, we don't ever think about this. Now, the church acknowledges these concepts in the interpretation of dreams. The church does, such as falling or being chased, as a reminder of the consequences of sin and the need for repentance. Am I saying this is always what it is in your dreams? No. But the saints tell us this is common. So dreams provide insight into your subconscious thoughts, your heart, your desires, but they also offer potential avenues for God. God can speak to you for divine communication and guidance, but so can the demons. So you gotta be careful. Now I wanna get into something that I've had happen once in my life, and it was at the moment, I think the most terrifying experience I have ever had in my entire life. And I'll tell you about that at the end of what I explain what it is. It's called sleep paralysis. And if you say, I don't know if I've ever had it, Father, trust me, you will know if you've had it. Let's go to our next slide. Sleep paralysis. This is unbelievably, it's, it's, it's so scary when you go through it. Basically, it's a state in which an individual experiences <clears throat> a temporary inability 
to move or speak while you are transitioning between being asleep and being awake. It's like you're awake, but you can't move, you can't speak, you can't yell. And it happens one of only two times when you are either falling asleep or waking up. So what happens? Okay, during the REM sleep, the muscles are typically paralyzed. But you didn't know this. During rapid eye movement, REM sleep, deep sleep, your muscles in your body are temporarily paralyzed to prevent you from physically acting out your dreams. Otherwise, everybody here would be a sleepwalker. Okay? Now, sleep paralysis happens when this inhibition, the, the inability to get up and move, continues even after you wake up. All right? Like I said, unlike sleepwalking, it's the opposite. And so what happens? Okay, there are intense feelings of fear due to your inability to move or speak, but you're awake. And some have described it as being trapped in your own body. And it's within this framework that some individuals will cry out to God. Okay, now my one example, this happened again back in my 20s. And I wasn't living the best life. I, I really wasn't fully back into the church yet. That came after the suicide of my grandmother. And I was in an apartment in Toledo, Ohio, at the University of Toledo down in, in Northwest Ohio. And my girlfriend was over and we fell asleep. And then she got up and she left. And I went down on, laid down on the bed and I fell asleep. And my conscience, even though I was not fully in the church yet again, and, and I had not changed my life yet, I was still living kind of that secular world, my subconscious was bothering me. And I, had, I, I fell asleep and I woke up and there was, this is the honest to God's truth, I, there was a giant cobra on the foot of my bed. And I woke up, I was completely awake completely awake. I've never had that experience. You know, when, when you're dreaming, you think you're awake, but when you're awake, you know you're not dreaming, right? So this giant cobra was on the foot of my bed, and I woke up, and I could not move. And he literally had his head slithering, and all I could think of is, this is Satan. This is the serpent. And I honestly thought he was coming for my soul. That was the terror that went through me. And the snake, as he came, he leaned down and his head came straight at me, which I was convinced <clears throat> he was coming for my soul. Now, all I could do was try to scream and I couldn't. No sound. I couldn't even lift my arms to block it. I was completely paralyzed, but I was completely awake. And the snake came, and just before he struck at me, it disappeared. And I completely was free to move my arms, my legs. Let me tell you, talk about the Lord allowing you to be scared straight. 
that changed me for a good year before I fell back into my kind of secular ways. But I always think about that because that was my only experience with sleep paralysis, but it can be very scary. Um, This is something that, you know, I had an employee share with me yesterday that she had this with demons. And same thing, she woke up, she was awake, and she saw a demon on her feet, on her legs. She saw the demon, and she couldn't get it off. She tried kicking her legs, she couldn't move. And she was like, oh my gosh, Father, you gotta talk about sleep paralysis, it's the worst. Well, it could be the best if God's allowing you to get a message through it, right? So these, however, I need to point out, these are hallucinations, okay? Now, they may be allowed by God, but these experiences are not indicative of any underlying mental health problems. Anybody can get them. It just might mean your subconscious is speaking to you, okay? All right, let's go to our next slide. What about disturbing dreams? Like this little, this bed here with the nightmare uh, going on above the person. All right. There's a great amount of work done by a father, John Bartunek, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, from the Legionnaires of Christ. He's a spiritual director who's written and spoken a lot about the significance of dreams in the spiritual life. So he was a great resource for me. Um, His site He's written on the site spiritualdirection.com. So if you're ever looking for spiritual direction and you can't get a priest, he writes on spiritualdirection.com. Now, basically, he says, while God can grant graces and inspirations, often he rarely gives specific messages through dreams. Now, we hear about the Bible right here with St. Joseph, But this is very rare, he says. So he advises Catholics not to worry too much about your dreams. He says a bad dream could be from just your brain processing emotions, or it could be a demonic attack. But either way, he said, your response should be the same. Pray. Pray. I was so scared when I woke up from that sleep paralysis. I don't remember if I prayed or not. And so Father Bartunek said the only time that he would recommend a Catholic journal, don't journal your dreams. Everything I've ever seen on all the research I was doing says don't journal your dreams. Don't do that. The only time he recommends that you do do that, that you write about your dreams and explore them in more depth, is if you are having repetitive, disturbing dreams and you're working with a spiritual director, that they can walk through you with it to let you know that it is supernatural or maybe it's just psychological. Now, according, I talked earlier about this McNamara, the Catholic neurologist. I want to go back to him now. According to him, there are actually safe and effective treatments that are out there for disturbing dreams. Now, these have undergone clinical trials and are non-invasive. Non-invasive, this is good. And he has one that he talks about called image rehearsal therapy. Now, when I first read this, I was like, oh, come on, this isn't going to work. But you should see the testimonies of the people who wrote in that it worked for them. Listen to this. If you are having repeated, uh, uh, not dangerous dreams, but disturbing dreams, 
He says, do this image reverse rehearsal therapy. It sounds very simple, but it's very effective supposedly. And this involves the person choosing a disturbing image from your dreams. Okay, such as a monster or a demon. We talked about um, in, your, in your mind, okay, in your dream. And reimagining the dream with a less threatening image or story. Here's what he means. Quote, he said, so instead of a demon chasing you or a bad ex-boyfriend chasing you, imagine it turning into some human being chasing you. Like if it's a demon, imagine it's a human being or if it's an ex, somebody you're afraid of, somebody else. Now he says, you have to meditate on this. And then you re rehearse that a, the human being is now somebody who's friendly to you somebody that you trust, and they're chasing you, not to hurt you, but the friend is chasing you to bring you good news. Now, McNamara said, when you do that, the being chased is not a scary thing, but you want him to catch up to you to be able to share this good news. And he said, it is surprising that something so simple as this actually works. But for the vast majority of cases, it does appear to work. And as I went on line, I was amazed at all the testimonies. Now, I, I'm only giving you a really brief, uh, the, you know, you can't basically do this just based on what I told you. But you can go out there and, and find this. Now, when this fails, he said, there are also some effective pharmaceutical treatments available getting actual medications, but oh, again, be careful of that. And then he said, quote, if someone is having a stress dream, especially if it's repetitive, that can be an indication on the natural level, not from God or a demon, supernatural, but on the natural level that there's something in your life you're not facing and not resolving. And you may be pushing it into your subconscious. I find, again, this amazing. Now, a uh, little, little bit of a uh, topic, if you have children watching here now, I, I want to be a little careful here. What about sexual dreams? Are those sinful, especially if they are very graphic or very intimate? Um, Father Vincent Serpa did uh, good work on are nocturnal emissions sinful? This could be male or female. Okay, now... It starts with this, to commit a mortal sin. Because remember, the only way you're lost to hell is to die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. But for a sin to be mortal, to commit a mortal sin, you have to have three things. One, the act must be gravely sinful. Two, the person must know that it is a sin. So let's do the sexual activity. This, uh, uh, an actual act of sexual activity outside of marriage is gravely sinful. And most people know that, whether they want to follow it or not. But third, you must have complete free will. The person must freely choose to commit the sin. Now, Father Vincent says, this is not present. This third condition of freely choosing to commit the sin is not possible when a person is asleep or unconscious. You don't have free will. So no, you don't have to confess this. I've had people in the confessional confess to me dreams. You don't have to. Thomas Aquinas says sexual dreams are not even venial sins. 
because you need to have free exercise of reason, which you don't have in dreams. Now, it's kind of interesting because Father, um, remember Father Benedict Rochelle? One time a seminarian, I was at a conference with him and a seminarian asked him, Father, I, I struggle with these impure dreams. He says, hey, it's a little benefit of having something that you can't have in real life, but you enjoy it during the time of a dream. I'm like, whoa, you know, like, that just seems kind of crazy. And he says, um, he says, call it a, a, a freebie in technicolor. <laughs> and so I said, well, I don't want to think you want to get into that habit, but according to the church, it's not sinful. Now let's watch a short one minute video. This is Pints with Aquinas with Matt Fratt. I think he does a great job. And he addresses this exact issue. Are dreams, especially sexual dreams, sinful? Let's watch this one minute video. It sounds like Aquinas is saying that things like overeating and over drinking may lead to this. And if that were the case, then we have something that has caused it that is in itself sinful, namely overeating or over drinking. And if this is the case, when we go to confession, we wouldn't be confessing having a, a sexual dream. What we'd be confessing is the overeating or over drinking. Now, again, I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but certainly we could think of other causes. If you spend a sometime during your day watching shows that have sexual content, maybe graphic sexual content. Uh, this is something that I think we should be repenting of, that we should be avoiding. And uh, certainly things like pornography are intrinsically evil and we should repent of that. So if you've watched pornography, say, and then maybe uh, you haven't gone to confession and maybe several months later you have a dream that seems to have been inspired by this horrible thing that you subjected yourself to, well, whereas you don't have to confess the sexual dream, you do have to confess the cause of it, which was in and of itself sexual. Okay, so that is a uh, quick video on Pints with Aquinas, which I think Matt Fred does a good job there. Now, basically, what is he saying? He's saying you don't have to confess having a sexual dream, but you need to confess those things that caused you to have that dream. And he said, you know, the common cause for sexual dreams is overeating and overdrinking. That's interesting. So it's the same with watching TV shows that have graphic content, like pornography. Now, if you keep watching a video, a pornographic video, and then you have a dream similar, you don't have to confess the dream, but you got to confess that thing that caused you to have the dream. All right. So in, in regard to one's moral responsibility, a dream cannot either gain you merit or give you punishment. Like if in your dream you feed a thousand people and you work 24 hours a day at the soup kitchen, you get no merit from that. But likewise, you don't get any punishment through your dreams either. So your ability to think and choose doesn't, it's so reduced during sleep that you're not morally responsible. Now, does that mean you should pray for those dreams? Uh-uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But a good practice to do before you go to bed is to sprinkle your bed with holy water. How many people do this? I don't know hardly anybody. Sprinkle your bed with holy water. Read just a couple lines of scripture. Just open up the Bible randomly and ask for God's grace. But then most importantly, as my employee pointed out to me yesterday, 
pray to your guardian angel because your guardian angel is assigned to protect you during sleep. How many of you pray? Do you remember that prayer, angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits, commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide? You should still say that. That's not just a child's prayer. Let that guardian angel protect your sleep. Now, what has the Catholic Church said? Okay. Now, one of the few videos I could find out there was Father Mike Schmitz. And I know I got some letters and I want to apologize. I know a couple weeks ago, um, I had pointed out over the church scandal. Uh, the only point I was trying to make there was that, that when, when, when the, the topic about these priests was brought up publicly, I thought should also make a retraction publicly when these same priests were found innocent. Um, and I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I apologize to him and to the viewers who were offended. I, I did not mean to offend Father Michael. I think he does amazing work. I think he does incredible work. He's probably the best known priest in all of the United States. So publicly, I, I just wanted to say I apologize for that. I didn't want that to be taken the wrong way. It's just, that is such, because I am very close with somebody who was falsely accused in the priesthood, and it really hits my heart. I know Father Mike Schmitz did not intentionally ever do that. At the time, he thought they were guilty. So my only point about that comment about Father Mike Schmitz was after it came out that those priests were innocent, that there should have also been a public statement. And then somebody said to me, well, I should have done it in private. Well, no, because that statement was made publicly to begin with. So again, I apologize. And, and I want to quote him because he was one out there that did a great video on these dreams. Now, dreams, he said, may be our own physical manifestation to ourself about something we have been thinking about more than God. And I think he makes a great point, right? Now, um, there are also in the church teaching, let's go back even further now, let's go back to uh, St. Augustine and his work, The Meaning of Dreams. And St. Augustine said dreams could reveal hidden aspects of our psyche and provide insight into our spiritual state. Okay, but Augustine, St. Augustine also believed that not all aspects of dreams are significant. Sometimes they mean nothing. I have a good friend. She would tell me all the time, I had this dream. What does it mean? And sometimes I would say nothing. And she would get frustrated. And I would say that means absolutely nothing. And then she'd have some friend that because she went to the grocery store on Tuesday, that this had some huge meaning that her life was going to change on a Tuesday at a grocery store. And, 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 and no, it means nothing. And so St. Augustine told us this, that, that sometimes they're, they're totally insignificant, right? Now, Augustine warned us, but he emphasized discerning which elements meant something you know, had spiritual meaning. So others outside of Augustine, they question the reliability of dream messages, arguing that they may be influenced too much by your subconscious, your desires, your fears. You're creating your own dream because of your dreams and fears. I mean, your desires and fears. Now, let's go to the church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that God may choose to reveal himself in various ways that we're not aware of in two different ways. One is during sleep, in dreams, and the other 
is night visions. These are very rare. But likewise, not all troubling dreams should be attributed also to the demonic. Because God would never want me to be restless. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. That was Augustine. But if we constantly have these troubling dreams, that also does not mean that they are demonic. It could be, again, your fears or your um, you know, um, desires or your fears. Now, the church approaches dream interpretation with caution, all right? Acknowledging the potential for misrepresentation, misuse. But they do recognize there is value for spiritual growth. Okay, what do I mean by this? Let's go back to Father Mike Schmitz. Father Mike Schmitz said, if God wants to communicate with you through a dream, Father Mike Schmidt said that dream will be entirely different than all your other dreams. You will know. You will know. And he said, even if it seems that you had an entirely different dream, though, it still may not be a message from God. So we must discern, he said. We must discern. Discern the spirits. Father Gallagher has a great book. If you want to see Discerning of Spirits by Father Gallagher, um, he's out of Boston. He's an OMV. Fabulous. I read it in seminary. Now, he said, discern the spirits. Know the good from the bad. Put it under the wisdom of the church. Let the church and the scriptures guide you. Very important. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas argued also that not all dreams are from God or the demons. He said, some may arise purely within your mind, okay? He proposed three criteria for discerning whether a dream carries supernatural significance of God or the devil. They are, one, is it very clear and very vivid? Most of my dreams make no sense. One minute I'm on an airplane, the next minute I'm fishing with Brother Mark. It just makes no sense. You're going all over the place. You skip around. You're talking to people you don't even know. Unless it is very clear and vivid, it is not of God. That was just my mind. Next, is it in line with scripture and church doctrine? If you get a dream that says you should run away and join a convent and you got six little children at home, that is not of God. Okay? All right? And then finally, is its fulfillment, does it have fulfillment of the virtue of charity? If your dream is to get revenge on someone or to take somebody down, ain't of God, not of God. All right, so, so for Thomas Aquinas, dreams should be evaluated within this larger context, not just assume it's always of God or the devil. All right, now, what does God have to do with our dreams? Now, let's go to our next slide. Most ancient civilizations, pagan or not, believe that dreams were messages from some kind of god, small g, or goddesses. The notion that God can communicate with human beings in dreams is also in the Bible. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Remember Jacob's dream, Jacob's ladder? I showed that picture a minute ago. Connecting heaven and earth. This is the mass. The mass connects heaven and earth. That's Jacob's ladder. So many people in the Bible had dreams. The ones that stick out the most are the two Josephs. 
The two Josephs, you have the Old Testament Joseph that got thrown in the well and left by his brothers to die, becomes the king of Egypt, or interprets uh, for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And then you have St. Joseph. Now, if your dreams bring you closer to Jesus and do not contradict the teachings of the church, then there's no reason why you can't accept it as a gift from God. Even if it's not from God, it could be allowed by God as a gift. I, case in point, my fishing with Brother Mark. <laughs> All right. However, we would never want to put more value on your dreams than the teaching of the church. Why? Because your dreams are unapproved private revelation. The same person will say, I do not follow Medjugorje. I refuse. It is unapproved. Will be the same person that will have a dream and follow that dream like it was an approved apparition. Your dream is an unproved apparition. You don't follow it as gospel if it goes against the teaching of the church. All right? You don't follow it more than the sacraments, the mass, or scriptures. Those are approved public revelation. Certainly way better than unapproved private revelation like your dream. Well, Father, I can't do that. I had a dream. That would be like a seminarian coming up to me if I say, I need you to clean the garage. Well, Father, I had a dream that I can't go into any garage. <laughs> no, doesn't work that way. And so more typical modes of spiritual development and communication with God include what? Prayer, going to the sacraments, prayer journaling, spiritual direction, not dream time. Okay, now... In general, what's most important in our spiritual life is what happens during your conscious life. That's how you'll be judged. If you are not judged by what happens in your dreams, but you are judged what happens in your active life, which one do you think is more important? Your active life. Now, that doesn't mean we can't learn from dreams. We just talked about it. You can. But don't assume that also on the flip side, that God is not speaking to you if you don't get certain dreams. Well, I never got a dream that I should be a nun. Well, that doesn't mean God's not speaking to you that you should be a nun. Well, I've never had a dream about it. Now, if I have a dream about it, then I'll become a nun. No. All right, God can also give someone natural grace through dreams. This Father Bartunek, he said that such is a sense when you get with peace and joy, um, God can grant graces like, like seeing a beautiful sunset, right? Um, if you go outside and, and you just happen to be on the deck at the time, the sun is going down over the Brookshire Mountains here, and you see this most beautiful sunset, that, that's a natural grace that God allows, a little gift. The same way he can do that with your dreams, now, Catholic counselors tell us not to focus on whether or not a dream is from God. This is surprising. The Catholic counselors say, do not get obsessed with whether or not a dream is from God. Father Bartunik said, follow St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross said, don't worry too much if a dream is of God or not of God but rather discern, maybe if God allowed it, what is the lesson? What are the spiritual fruits? Now, this is beneficial because he said, quote, if a dream really is from God, 
it will find a way to bear fruit. But if we ascribe a divine origin to just any dream that is not of God, it can lead to a lot of trouble. Particularly, it can lead to pride and an exaggerated sense of our own holiness. Now, I also did a talk, it got taken down, on the charismatic movement, charismatic movement. And I also want to clarify a couple things I said there. Because I never meant, and I thought I made this clear, I, 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 I went back and I was like, okay, I didn't. I was not saying that in ontologically or, or at the base that the, the Catholic charismatic movement is not good. I think it is very good. It is of the Holy Spirit. And I said that, but many people didn't hear that part. What I was trying to warn about was what we just talked about with dreams. It can lead to pride and an exaggerated sense of our own holiness. If we put the gifts of the Holy Spirit above the Holy Spirit itself. Now, that's not what the charismatic movement does. And I apologize again. I thought I, I, thought I had conveyed that, but obviously I didn't. It got taken down. And so I... I want to say here, I never meant to say the charismatic movement isn't of the Holy Spirit. I think it can sometimes be misused. It's the same thing with anything. I, 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 I could take a computer. I can use it for something wonderful, like doing this research on this talk, <clears throat> or praying with a group of the rosary from around the world. But a computer can also use for bad things if I go to an improper website. The Catholic charismatic movement, I think, is the same way. I, I, I was just trying to point out the dangers if you misuse it. I wasn't saying it's bad. Woo, did I get slammed up and down on that one? And I deserve it. I deserve it because I don't think I emphasized enough what I should have about the goodness that can be there. Just be careful if you think the gifts are about you. That doesn't mean that the movement doesn't have gifts and the gifts are under the Holy Spirit. And the movement's not of the Holy Spirit. It just means some people can misuse it. And then somebody criticized me because the theology was off. Father, you said levitation. That's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. I didn't explain that. I meant that if somebody says, I have the gift of levitation, meaning they interpret it as a gift. This makes me superior to all the other people in the parish. So, Father, you can come consult me before we do anything in the parish because I have the gift of levitation. Well, I was criticized because, Father, your theology's wrong. You, it's not one of the gifts, it's not levitation. I didn't mean it to be one of the proper gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just meant that some people interpret that as the gift. So again, I, 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 I apologize for not clarifying. I'm very sorry for that. I didn't mean to offend anybody in that movement, um, especially those who've given their life to it, like, um, um, like Mary Healy, like Ralph Martin, like Father Matthias, or Father Matthias Thalen, these are amazing people. And so um, I just really wanted to add that. Okay, now, let's wrap up here. I'm running out of time. Um, discerning your experience. Is this dream from God, and is it authentic? All right, to discern, you need to ask yourself some questions. One, does this dream encourage me to participate more frequently in the sacraments. Two, does this dream motivate me to deny my own self-focus in favor of serving my neighbor? 
If your dream is about crushing them, that's not of God. All right, does this dream empower me to hold my tongue? Now that's the one for me. Gotta hold my tongue. Does it encourage me to think well of my neighbor rather than being critical and to forgive others their faults? Okay, now when I do a fault, I expect people to forgive me. I, I'm like, I, please forgive me. I accidentally took somebody's phone charger uh, recently that I thought was mine and I lost it. And, and this person appeared to be upset and I gave them $40 for, to replace the charger hoping that that would be sufficient. The person was still apparently very, very upset. And then I got kind of like, wow, please forgive me. But then I thought, okay, is that God telling me that sometimes people have wronged me? And I've said, okay, yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. But did I really mean it? We got to forgive. So if our dream is not about forgiving and loving our neighbor, it's not of God. All right. Next, do your dreams increase your thirst for prayer? and a deeper knowledge of Christ's teaching? Do your dreams strengthen you to obey the moral law, the natural law, and the precepts of the church? All right? If dreams were to push you away from any of these, they're not of the good spirit. Scripture and the saints indicate that when God makes use of dreams, which is extraordinarily rare, this communication that he does also, he will make sure that you realize it. He will. He'll make sure the person realizes the origin of the dream from him. All right. Last part is dream therapy permissible to go get counseling for your dreams. Okay. Speaking to a licensed Catholic therapist about one's dreams can be beneficial including getting to the root of why you might be having these recurring nightmares of a particular kind. However, dreams should be only one aspect of your therapy. If the only therapy you are getting is for your dreams, that is not right. All right, it should not be the sole or main focus. Effective therapy involves helping you deal with various issues while you are awake. Not just the single issue of a dream while you are asleep. So let's go to our next slide. For more information, I, I think there's a good website. I was reading it yesterday. Look up on your screen, catholictherapists.com. If you are struggling with anything, for more information to find a good Catholic therapist, not just on dreams, but whatever issue you're struggling with, addictions or anger or lost or, or whatever, Go to catholictherapist.com if you can't afford seeing a person and you will get some help. All right, last uh, little bit here. All right, what about the concerns of dreams? All right, the Bible warns that dreams can provoke unnecessary worrying or a desire to have knowledge that is reserved for God alone. Father, how do you know that? Deuteronomy 13, Ecclesiastes 5, Sirach 40, they all warn us. Don't try to take over what is God's alone. That's why Adam and Eve got in trouble by eating of the tree, not of life, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to be like God. Some things are only for God to know. The end of the world is only for God to know. Well, Father, I had a dream. Well, by the way, if I may mention, please 
do not believe these videos out there are from me. There are so many YouTube videos now, and I think they're being generated on AI, this artificial intelligence. There's one out there now that's saying, Father Chris said the world will end in October. I never said the world will end in October. My favorite one is this one video somebody sent to me that has supposedly me talking to Jesus. It's got my picture. Father Chris gets a message from the Blessed Mother. I have not had the Blessed Mother appear to me. Now, God appears to me every day in the Mass, but Mary has not come and stood before me with a message for the world. If she does, I'll go to the bishop and, and discern if it is a true message, but that has not happened to me. But this video says, Father Chris, the Virgin Mary appeared and brought her to his son, and Father Chris was having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus said, Dear FR period Chris. Now, if Jesus is going to talk to me, <laughs> Jesus is not going to say, Dear FR period Chris. <laughs> this was being read by some computer. This is false stuff. So we've tried to get it down, but I've given up trying to fight. I don't have the time to try to fight it. Just look, if it's not from divinemercyplus.org or our YouTube channel, Divine Mercy, or Facebook, Divine Mercy Official, if you see a different color icon down there, it is not of me. So just please be weary because I'm getting all these letters. And God bless you. I'm happy that, there were, that people are telling me because I didn't know about it otherwise. But people are thinking I'm really saying the world is going to end in October. No. I mean, it might, but, <laughs> but I don't know that. Nobody knows that. So just a little thing. Okay, now, avoid imputing excessive meaning into our dreams and doing things like going to the occult to interpret them. People will go to seances, to fortune tellers, um, even voodoo and witchcraft to, to address dreams. Don't go to the occult to interpret a dream. Now you're doing what the Bible warns you not to do. According to our Catholic doctrine of faith and morals, putting total belief in dreams is superstition. It is one of the sins against the first commandment if dreams become your predominant guide in life, what should be your predominant guide in life? The church and the Bible. God. Okay? And so we said this is based, um, this is interesting, because this is based on the canonical prohibition, as we said, of believing in your own private revelation. I had a woman just come up to me in Vancouver. God bless her, she meant well. She said, Father... You are to start your own community. No, that was St. Faustina. And she said, I was shown it in a dream. You are to start your own community. Well, as of right now, God has not shown that to me. Praise be to God. I'm very grateful that, that, that people are, are hoping and, and helping. I am so honored for that. But she was offended when I said, you know, I, I mean, I guess probably I'm, I'm all about the truth. And sometimes I'm guilty putting the truth ahead of the way I say things. And, and for that, I'm working on that. That's one of my faults. And so the truth was, I know that's not the truth. And, and, and instead of maybe just 
bluntly telling her that's not God's will, that offended her. But we can't put our own dreams as some kind of approved private revelation when it's nothing but unapproved private revelation. Now, if you're discerning with your bishop or your priest who's a, a spiritual director and he does discern with you that you are to maybe get into teaching rather than working at the Halloween store, um, yeah, that can be of God. But we got to be very careful, all right? And so we don't want to put our dreams as this unapproved private revelation in place of the church, the church, the permission that we should have from the church. Now, we cannot put our own dreams on the same page as public revelation approved by the church, the mass, the sacraments, okay? These are things we have to realize. It is not allowed to conjecture future things from dreams. It's not allowed. Depending on what dream, the dream was, if you determine your life by it, all right, you could be committing the sins not only of superstition, but all the way to heresy, okay? Like if I would have had a dream and it did tell me to, to go start a new community and I left being here as provincial superior and I just did my own thing and it wasn't God's will, I'm not doing good. That's a bad thing. I would have to discern that. I'd have to speak with a bishop and with spiritual directors. And it just, that's the way the church sets it up to protect you. So maybe talk to a good bishop or a good priest to check your dream that it's in line with church doctrine. Okay, like I said, I had a beautiful lady come to me and she said, Father, I missed my call to being a nun. I was supposed to be a nun. I'm determined, I'm convinced I was supposed to be a nun. I said, oh, okay, well, let's talk about it. I said, what's your current state in life? I was expecting single. She said, no, I'm married with three young children. No, you are not being called to be a nun. Even if you were supposed to be a nun, your state in life now is a good wife and mother and, and, and not to leave them to go to a convent. God will meet you where you're at, even if you missed the turn three miles back. Okay? Now, Catholics should not partake in any New Age spiritual dream practices. This is wrong, that you could lead you to believe that the dream world is more important and more of the spiritual realm than your awakened life. What you are judged on is what you do when you are awake, not what you do when you are asleep. Now, another warning sign would be if you find yourself actively seeking out certain dreams, consciously trying to make them repeat themselves. Like, y'all know this? You've all had a dream you really liked. Lord, let me have that dream again. I was the king of the world. No, you don't keep asking for that. A common one is a sexual experience. I want to have that again. No, that's not something we pray to God for, okay? Um, God sends them in order to build us up spiritually. But as weak as we are, can sometimes, this can sometimes become an attachment to the gifts, to those gifts as the end of themselves. Again, we can forget about the giver of the gifts because we're focused on the gifts. That's my only point of that talk on the charismatic movement. So, to finish, we're wrapping up here. Although God can certainly speak to your, to your soul through dreams, 
He will never contradict himself. Right? He would never inspire you in a dream to disobey his commandments or to abandon your state in life. And so just as we can be grateful for dreams that encourage us or inspire us in our relationships, we should not allow ourselves to be overly distracted by dreams that cause turbulence either. You can become so focused on that. Now, that being said, even good Catholic psychologists will admit that intense and repetitive dreams can sometimes give clues to psychological issues. So they can be of value, okay? They can be. But they are never sufficient for a complete diagnosis. If a doctor says, I'm going to completely diagnose you based on your dreams, run. Run. It's the same way that you should not base your whole spiritual life. Well, I had a dream that Jesus said I should not go to the Catholic Church. I had a dream that Jesus said I need to go to the 51st annual uh, newfound church or the 51st now made newfound church. No. That's not how you base your life. You have to discern. Father Augustine of EWTN said that he would advise not seeking dream analysis, therapy based on your dreams. Now, others say, yes, they could be helpful as long as you're looking at your whole life, not just your dreams. He said, to guide one's conscious life according only to what is manifested in dreams is inherently problematic because dreams are not guided by rationality, but rather they reflect a multitude of influences that are difficult to categorize with any certainty. And so he said, when interpreting a dream, which may be from God, the advice of someone theologically trained in the teachings of the magisterium is essential. Okay, you gotta have a good coach. This is the whole reason for a church. All the time I get these beautiful letters from people saying, nope, that is not what Revelation 12 meant. It is not about Mary. It's about the nation of Israel. And I nicely respond why it's about Mary. And then I say, this is exactly why we need a church. Because we as individuals do not have the authority to say what scripture means. Scripture only has one meaning. Revelation 12 is about Mary or it is not. And the church has said for centuries, it's about Mary. And so none of us are able to contradict that and say, no, it's not. You don't have that authority. I individually, even as a priest, I don't have that authority. Who has that authority? The church. That's why what I give you in these talks is 100% church teaching. Now, sometimes I can throw my own interpretation in there. If it's a story, what do I think God meant? But for the most part, this is definitive. And so we have to understand what God is trying to tell us. Now, when interpreting at a dream, which may be from God, is like I said, get somebody who is trained in church teaching, a priest, a bishop to help you. All right, finally, last part, dreams in the Bible. All right, I got eight minutes. Dreams in the Bible. Dreams were regarded as, in the Bible, as important. Why? They foretold the future. We see this in Genesis, Judges, Esther, Maccabees, Daniel. Dreams in the Bible also instructed mankind. We know this from Genesis, Kings, and Job. 
The Bible also gave us a means of revealing hidden truths through dreams. That's 1 Samuel. And the Bible gives us in dreams a way to communicate warnings from God. This is Job and wisdom. God is often presented as revealing himself to the prophets also in dreams. Numbers, Joel, and especially in the later prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah. Dreams were all involved in those books. Since the meaning of dreams is generally kind of obscure, all right, we get that, only wise men were considered able to explain the dreams. Who do we think we are that we could just go interpret a dream when even the Bible says you can't? Let's go to our next slide. This one's funny. When I was a kid, I used to love Donny Osmond. That's a picture of Donny Osmond. Isn't that funny? He played that uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know if you saw it. It was on a Broadway show. But it's about Joseph of the Old Testament. All right? So this is Donny Osmond. All right? Now, <clears throat> he played Joseph of the Old Testament. Now, Joseph and Daniel, in particular, were the ones endowed with the power to interpret dreams. So even though everybody had dreams, not everybody was allowed to interpret them. There was actually a death penalty. This is Deuteronomy 13 for dreamers, and that is false prophets, who led people away from God by claiming to have dreams of what to do when it wasn't true. This is like the story in Jeremiah. Now, in the New Testament, we have several examples of dreams. I won't go into all of them. Let's just do the big ones. Let's go to our next slide. An angel appears to Joseph. How? In a dream. And urges him to take Mary as his wife. This is Matthew 1. Now, it's funny because I always tell God when I'm trying to discern his will, Lord, why don't you just tell me in a dream? You gave Joseph all kinds of dreams. Please give me a dream. Sometimes he doesn't. But the Magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod in Jerusalem. The dream that Joseph had warning him to go to Egypt, Matthew 2, he did. And the dream to later return to Israel, Matthew 2, 19. Because of a dream, Joseph took his family to Nazareth. All right? And so the wife, what about this one? This is Matthew 27. The wife of Pontius Pilate was warned in a dream to have nothing to do with the crucifixion of Jesus. Now that one I probably would have listened to. <laughs> so supernatural dreams and visions have been, ha have been definitely promised in the Bible, like the prophet Joel, chapter 3, verse 1, as gifts from the Holy Spirit. And so when foreigners such as Pharaoh or, the Neb or Nebuchadnezzar when they had dreams, they could not interpret them. This is why non-Catholic bishops or the magisterium can't interpret. Some Protestant sitting on his couch cannot interpret scripture. The same reason he can't interpret his own dreams. In the Bible, even Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar, when they had dreams, it took a good man of God, a Hebrew man such as Joseph or Daniel, to interpret those dreams. That's the message here. Sometimes... They had night visions. Zechariah speaks with an angel and during the nighttime in Zechariah chapter 1. So Joseph not only interpreted for the Pharaoh, this is Old Testament Joseph, 
but he himself received communication from God in dreams. You can't give what you don't have. All right. Now, I don't want to interpret dreams of people because God hasn't really, that I'm aware of, spoken to me in dreams. I'm not aware of God speaking to me to dreams, but they tell me if he does, I will know it. Okay. There are many significant parallels between these two Josephs. You ever see Father Don Calloway? He has a great talk on comparing St. Joseph with Joseph of the Old Testament. So that's where um, I wanted, I know I'm I'm running late, but uh, trusting the dreams of St. Joseph. This was a great thing, article by Father Hugh Barber in Catholic Answers. I really like Catholic Answers. That's a good resource for you. St. Joseph was a good sleeper. Good enough that God used his sleep and his demons to direct him. The Desert Fathers and the great theologians of the church, like Thomas Aquinas, tell us our dreams reflect the state of our passions and our emotions, not always from God. But when a person is of high sanctity, St. Joseph, St. Joseph, all right, His dreams are clear and safe guides for the rest of us, whose dreams are usually a mix of all kinds of churning stuff inside and outside and good and bad. Thus, in the church's night prayer that we priests pray, we pray the divine office, the night prayer, we pray to be delivered from any deceptions of evil coming from the devil, playing games with our imagination while we sleep. Now, St. Joseph is so pure and so attuned to the things of God that he could receive God's direction in his sleep. For him, there was no question. The meaning was clear, even if it was difficult. St. Matthew's Gospel talks about those four places that refer to the dreams in the deep sleep of St. Joseph. Now, it's not surprising then that when devotion to St. Joseph began to grow, Catholic art started to reflecting St. Joseph sleeping. This is the sleeping St. Joseph. Now, there are many paintings and even statues like these two that go back to the 17th century of Joseph dreaming. Father Don loves this statue. So I want to show you the statue. Now, if you're not into the color, this is a, a one that we have that's a sleeping St. Joseph that I have on, I'm going to keep on my desk. Now, there's another one, if you notice this is St. Joseph, that has a little box, a little hole here. Some have a drawer. Do you know the reason for this? Father Don talks about this. It's really powerful. He loves the sleeping St. Joseph with this little drawer, this little hole here in its base. And when St. Joseph, and, and, and when he has a special intention, all right, You write it down and place it in the drawer, asking St. Joseph to dream of this petition. So St. Father Don says, he says when he has a special intention, he writes it down, and Father Don says he puts it inside this, in this drawer, and asks St. Joseph to dream of his petition. Now, we sometimes say, that our difficult decisions, when we have to make them, what do we say? I'll sleep on it. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd much rather have St. Joseph sleep on it than me. 
So when people ask me to pray for their intentions instead of saying, I'll sleep on it, write the intention down, put it under St. Joseph, and let St. Joseph sleep on it. Let's take a look at our slide. Here are the two statues. These are the sleeping St. Joseph statue. Now, if you'd like to get one, we do carry these. Um, and, and if you come visit me here, you can't afford one, I'll give you one. But if you want to order one, go to shopmercy.org. The keyword when you search the website is sleeping. When it has the search button, just type in sleeping. And it'll bring you up these different versions. This silver one of St. Joseph, I think this is wood. And this one is like an acrylic. But it's St. Joseph. And you put your intentions right in here. And so we have these at shopmercy.org if you'd like to get a thing. I, again, I'm not, we're not trying to make money. We're just trying to bring St. Joseph to you. I mean, we got to pay our bills, but we want to bring St. Joseph to you instead of you controlling your dreams or you interpreting your dreams. Write down your intentions, your petitions, and let St. Joseph sleep on your dreams or no, on your petitions. So to me, this is powerful. And uh, so when, when we say this, so if you let St. Joseph sleep on your petitions, no doubt you will get help. So again, visit shopmercy.org. And last slide, this is the most famous dream of the church outside of the Bible, the dream of St. John Bosco. This is the dream, and perhaps the most famous dream of all, he saw a large ship. So let's look at this on, my, on your screen. It represented the church in a violent storm, under attack. And the Pope was guiding the ship in between two large columns, which the ship then docked and was saved. On the one column was the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary with the title, The Help of Christians. And on the top of the other larger column was a Eucharistic host entitled The Salvation of the Faithful. Now, St. John Bosco explained, only two means are left to save the church amidst this confusion. Boy, are we in the confusion now. Devotion to the most blessed mother and frequent communion. Mary and divine mercy. What are the Marian fathers about? Mary and divine mercy. This is what our community is about. That's what the, uh, the, the dream of St. John Bosco was about. And you know, even St. Faustina, she wrote about her dream of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So dreams can be helpful, but most of all, we want to give God the proper due above all. And so as we wrap up, I want to invite you to become a Marian helper. If Brother Mark can put on the screen, Marian helper, join us, micprayers.org. Doesn't cost anything. It does not, um, you, you don't have to donate anything. It takes a few seconds, but I definitely um, we'll pray for you. You pray for us. And then lastly, my two books. If you want to learn more about Divine Mercy, you can get our book, Understanding Divine Mercy, or After Suicide, if you're struggling with any suffering or loss, if Brother Mark can put those on the screen. But God bless all of you. We are so grateful that you are with us. And finally, I'm going to be doing a pilgrimage to Einzelden, the greatest apparition, in my opinion, in the history of the church, not for significance, but for awe. And that'll be in April, so you can visit us at marion.org slash events. 
We got through everything. God bless you. Uh, we're very grateful that you'll be with us as we continue this series. And um, may God bless you in the meantime. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go forth, the talk is ended. Thanks be to God. Thank you, everybody. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.